the, the Ode Su doesn't have time for that, okay? He has, like, stuff to do. He does. He's got to find his daughter. He's got to get revenge. He's got to figure some stuff out. Did you just say revenge? K- kind of. I finally watched. I finally watched. Everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched Old Boy. So this is a Old Boy is kind of interesting. Came out in 03. Um this is when DVD was pretty huge and you could not stream anything. And I remember hearing about this movie, this Korean movie, and just like just the the mystery around like the ending and like don't learn anything about it and i was like it was one of the i don't know kind of one of those white whale movies like that i just remember like i have to see this and it's probably one of the first like definitely foreign movies but definitely foreign asian movies that i that i saw or sought out and um it was actually fucking easier to watch that movie in like 2006, seven or whatever. When I, when I watched it for the first time than it is today, it is streaming on nothing. Not only is it streaming on nothing, but you can't buy it anywhere. Um, Like you can't buy it off of YouTube. You can't buy it off of uh, Amazon. Like forget streaming for free uh, on, on something you're already subscribed to just fucking finding it is literally impossible i own several copies of the movie so okay well i I illegally watched it and to the point where like i had like tried to use a vpn to see if it was streaming anywhere in the world it's not even streaming in south korea this movie it makes no sense it doesn't make any sense but what's crazy is like i would have paid for it like i'm perfectly okay with like putting down three four bucks renting it from amazon prime and fucking watching it but i like i had no choice but to steal it (laughs) i don't know why you had to bring this part of it up i'm just saying impossible like yeah because i was actually looking i was like i'll just buy a digital copy that's like i can let you borrow online um yeah nothing and it's it's so nuts. And I think that has a lot to do with, you know, obviously it's foreign. Um, and it's really interesting watching like this movie. So this movie came out in 03 and it feels like a nineties American action movie, right? Like it feels like Korea was just like a little bit behind on the way, the feel of things, like the way things looked right. Um, right. Yep. No, the point I'm the point I'm making is actually the feel of it feels more '90s to me than like 2000s, right? That was that's kind of the only point I'm making. At this also came from a, a manga. I was gonna say manga, but I know you'd correct me with your fucking pretentiousness on this on this no, one it's, topic. It's fine. It's whatever. It's whatever you want to call it. Call it an animu. I don't care. But the the <laughs> but this movie is. It it holds up still so well. Watching it again, even though I knew how it ended, it's just so amazingly well acted. It's so like what the movie tells you versus what it, what it doesn't. Because um, I also watched 
the American remake from Spike Lee. Um, Mm -hmm. When I first watched that version, I thought it was really, really bad. I watched it again because one of you, I was talking with Garrett about, and he was like, well, do you think it's bad? Because, you know, if you've never seen the original, what would you think it's as bad? Where is it just because of the comparison? I was like, well, no, it's bad. Maybe it, 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 it's bad for a couple of reasons. It's like there's a tonal difference, right? So this movie, I forgot how like darkly funny it is. Right. And, and that's something that you just can't pull off in an American movie. Like that no. tone does not work. <sighs> you cannot have a darkly funny incest movie in America that works. Because Spike Lee tried. Daddy. <laughs> Actually, it's not the 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 line isn't even daddy. It's father. <laughs> um at, the the thing about that is that I think like the incest part is not what's funny in the original movie, right? It's it's like the everything in between. Um No, I I agree, but my point is like you can't even like it's just this tone isn't something you see that works in American movies. Like this darkly funny tone around subjects like this. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, but like, like you know, the the beginning, the opening where the guy's like committing suicide or trying to commit suicide, and then when we catch up to that like storyline, um, as he walks out of the building, the guy falls and and crashes mm-hmm. into the car. Like, that's funny. Right. Like, but in a, in a, in a dark way. Um, yeah. And I don't think they could, I don't think they can pull that off. Well, it, I mean, the other thing that the American version does, and I don't want to get, I don't want to get too bogged down to that, but I do want to bring it up from time to time is they, they sort of play it straight for the most part. They take the movie very seriously, which the original doesn't do. And they shouldn't. <laughs> no. And then, I mean, the, the the bad guy in this one uh is Wu Jin Lee played by uh Yu Jitae. I'm gonna um, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing the names exactly correctly, but he's such a badass in this. Right. Right? And he's got kind of this like pathos about him and like you feel super bad for him. Um and uh the bad guy in the American version, um is a cartoon character. I I think everyone except maybe Elizabeth Olsen in that movie is a cartoon character. And I, I also think Josh Brolin was horribly miscast for that role. Also, I don't know, like Spike Lee's directions giving to these actors is anything close to like, I don't know what he was thinking at some points too. I, I don't want to get too much into shitting on old boy 2013 um i want to kind of focus on 2003 the good one um i just want to say i did rewatch um the flashback scene where the dad's shooting everyone with the shotgun from the 2013 and when he shoots his son in the shoulder with the shotgun the mm-hmm. blood splatter the blood splatter fades on screen like long after the shot was already shot like they're not even trying at that point in the movie i don't know what you mean by that like do you know like a like a fade in right so 
he gets shot and there's some like white pillows behind him. So he gets shot. It goes boom. The wall blood splatter is immediate. And then you look at the pillow and it just like fades in a blood splatter like image like JPEG onto the pillow. So bad. I mean, maybe it's because he fell back on the pillow and the blood was seeping out of his body. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I don't actually think Josh Boland's that horribly miscast. I wanted to tell you beforehand we should have like come up with our alternate casting. So maybe by the end of this you can think of something. But yeah, let's start out. Let's just start out with with the beginning of this. Um, of the good one. The, the, the only <laughs> the only other thing I want to say is, um, so you know that Ashley watches so much like Korean TV, mostly dramas, but then also like reality shows and yeah just yeah hours upon hours and and one thing that and since i watched this movie before i met her and then in the ensuing years listening to so much k-drama that she's been watching the one thing that this movie has that all of those have too is just like the overpowering music and in certain places, I'm like, ah, it kind of pulls me out of it. I don't like it. And in other places, I'm like, oh, it's just really well done. Like the sound, the the sound design of the movie. Like there's at certain points where like the sound is just completely turned off because the character has been stabbed in the ear. Um, stuff like that is just so kind of perfect to me. But it still has that that Korean feel to it, right, with the music, which I just think was is it always like lets you know what you're watching. I, I, I don't have the history like you do, um, but I'll tell you, watching a version on Movies 1, 2, 3 that the subtitles were delayed about maybe 15 seconds from like what everyone was saying, I had to really pay attention to like like every time they use like a name and, you know, when, when they say a name of a character, it's very like... uh it it's uh it sticks out right it, during all the dialogue of a language that i do not understand uh so that's how i caught up to it but another thing that really helped me like get like knowing exactly like what's going on was the music really helped me like get focused on on certain things that were happening um not just visually but like um dialogue too so that part of it actually helped me a lot <laughs> Right. So we start with this starts a little differently than the other one with it starts with a flashback or it starts in the present day, basically, after he's escaped. And it goes to a flashback of him telling this guy that he's holding over the edge of a building like, I want you to listen to my story. Um, And it's immediately he's just drunk in a police station and he's saying, you know, it's my daughter's birthday. And this whole scene is just played for a laugh. The whole scene's like really funny. Um, Right. And what I want to say is this is so much differentiated from the American version where Josh Brolin is just, it's established for like what feels like 20 minutes, how much of an asshole he is, how much of a bad person he is. And in this movie, um, Odesu is not a bad person. No. Like that's from watching it this time. I was like, you know, he pays kind of this ultimate cost for like a mistake 
And, and and that's like I think what makes this movie so much more interesting than the other one is it's not like black and white characters. It's this like these grays of like, you know, you can feel bad for both sides, but you can really feel bad for Ode Soup because it's like his life was taken for him for something he did as like a 15 year old just telling a secret and not even yeah. knowing how important that secret was. And this is one thing that I'm not sure if we're missing from you know, it's sometimes like there's things that gets lost in translation when you're watching uh, a foreign movie where you're like, you might not get exactly the nuance, but he doesn't even know when he sees this girl, this young girl, Lee Su Ah, having sex, he doesn't know it's with her brother. Um, maybe I thought he did, but maybe you're right. I but think the, it was we just hear him like, tell the, we, we hear him tell his friend, right? And then when they talk about it years later, no one brings up incest, right? But then when uh, Odesu goes to the bad guy, Wu Jin, at the end, he's like, you were sleeping with your sister. Um, and so that's like the reveal of it. But no, none of the parties to it who you're, like you're heard saying, the rumor. You're saying Odesu kind of then realized it was his sister, right? Because I think the rumor was that she was just a slut. Yeah. So that's was the that's whole kind of, thing. Yeah. And that's like, so that's my point is like this guy blames Ode Sue for something that's just like 14 or 15 year olds like spread rumors all the time and things like that. You want to know something else too. And I watched this, this like short video about like the meaning behind old boy. Um, and I took this one thing away from it that I found really interesting is that Odesu's name means one day at a time. And this guy, from what we saw about him, he's not a very wealthy guy. He's like, he's like a, um, like a blue collar worker right. who has an alcohol problem. He has a daughter, he has a wife, but everything else is, is very like humdrum in his life. Um, and then you see, What's his name? Wu Jin, the villain of the story. Yeah. He's super rich, right? Yeah. Like he's crazy wealthy. And for, for what seems like a like an unfathomable upper hand that Wu Jin has over Odesu, it, it's like it's unfair. Like, not anyone. Right has the wealth to keep to keep paying someone to put someone in prison for fifteen years and then like keep that going for all that time, um, and then the hypnotism and everything like that is insane. And so it's like it puts it puts us as the audience like really sympathizing with Odesu even more because you're like you're you're being bullied by this guy who has unlimited m- money and power. You know, it like puts the odds so much stacked against him. Right. And, and with with Brolin, you're like, oh, this guy's an asshole. Right? Like it's common. It's like he's we're with him because we're seeing him learn a lesson and him develop. Whereas this just normal guy who talked too much as a 15 year old is, you know, gets put in jail. His wife murdered and is <laughs> tricked into sleeping with his daughter. Um, yeah. It's just kind of it's just kind of crazy. Um, and I also, the last thing of when he's in the police station is as he's walking out, he has his shirt tied up. Like he's like, a, like a, you know, with his belly showing, I think it's oh, so yeah, funny. Yeah. 
Yeah. And um, the uh, the way he's playing with the uh, the wings too. Yeah. Um, which comes back later in the in the movie. So yeah, then we get that he goes outside of his he gets abducted outside of his apartment, um, and then he's imprisoned in this like hotel style prison um for 15 years. And what's crazy and and this is a thought I had during um this part of the film is that if you were to imprison someone and and for like a couple months and you you told them hey you're going to stay here for a couple months you as a like as a human being can like mentally prepare yourself being like okay a couple months in my head boom done let's go but even if you imprison someone for a couple months and you don't tell them how long they're going to be in prison for you can go insane very quickly. And the fact that you keep someone in prison for 15 years with and never telling them when they're going to get out is, I mean, that would kill a person. No, exactly. And I think uh, the movie mentions a little bit at one point that like, oh, we can give him drugs so that he doesn't go insane and try and kill himself. And we, the the movie's pretty subtle on like, they don't show him doing it, but a couple times we've seen dragged out with like blood on his wrist. And then like later on, there's like, you know, marks on his wrist where he's cut himself. Um, so there's definitely like suicide attempts. I just like the fact that this just gets right into the imprisonment. We're like less than five minutes in when he is kidnapped and he's taken. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also really like the use of narration in this, you know, you might see it. Some people always will see narration as a little bit lazy, but I think it's just so well done. These little lines from him when someone says something to him and we just get his internal thoughts. It, it's me. It's not, I'm sorry. I see, I see narration as lazy. However, how else are you supposed to construe someone's like mental? He has no one to talk to. Right. So it's like a really smart way to get a lot of information across that's going on in his head, because why would he be speaking to himself aloud? Right. So I, I like it in this one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it works when he's by himself, but then it works later on. Someone will say something to him. And I love the the one I love the most is when he, he is, he first gets out and he kind of gets into it with those guys and he like takes one of the guy's cigarette and blows the smoke in his face and he gets pushed back and he's like, you know what? Let's uh, in his head. He's just like, you know, let's see if all that, uh, that practicing has worked out and he starts killing these dudes. He's like, Oh, it did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, so I, it's the so way good. it's used is so funny or so impactful. Like it's, it's done well. Um, the other thing is, so we get these like moments where, you know, you see him going crazy. The bugs crawling out of his skin is like a big thing that happens. Yeah. Um, and then they just kind of quickly go through this stuff, right? Like the, the scene where he's like, you know, it's my girl. I like to jack off to her, but the song is never long enough. <laughs> so like, it's like sad, but funny at the same time. Right. And I think his his transformation is so good. Like we see him kind of a little chubby. And then when you see him towards the end, he's gotten like lean and like in a good shape. And I, you know, I want to compare it a little bit, but like Brolin's arms when he got thrown in, they were already cut. You know what I mean? Like there's like he was already looking pretty, pretty jacked. So it's like there's only so much you could have done. I was like, you just like drank a few beers, man. Just like get that out of his system. He'll be... So I did I did watch somewhere like the behind the scenes of or maybe someone explained the behind the scenes of both of those movies. But like Brolin didn't do anything. And this guy in 2003 old boy 
fucking worked it, man. Like he dedicated for months to do this. Um, it's just like the, like the, what's the saying? Like you see the work and the progress or something like that, right? Like you, you put, you put work into it and you see the results and man, do you see the results in, in, in the Korean one? Yeah. And like, I love like Spike as a director too. It just seems like not, it, it just seems like this thing, like it was a little bit just thrown together and there's a lot of stuff that I think I like from it. Um, you can just say you can just say elizabeth olsen and her being naked and and that could start and end of the things that you like it starts and ends the things that i like about it no no i disagree i think you should have watched it again and not just the scene where you know the the incest scene i think there's a lot of other stuff father no it also is it's fairly faithful to this version but there's a couple changes here and there that i don't think i think in the main one and this is like it's not a stance I'm taking, but it's completely different if you have like this brother sister thing where you think they're in love and you're like, that's wrong. But it's not as like disgusting as a father who's fucking his children, right? It's just like a complete left turn that you're just like, oh, okay. It's like, it's almost like Spike Lee was like, or whoever wrote this shit was like, let's see how bad we can make it. And somehow that would like us. Here's my theory is that they made Josh Brolin's character so unlikable that they had to like up the ante for someone else just to make it seem like Josh Brolin is a character we can like root for. Yeah, because it's almost like um, it's uh, it's almost like Chartol Copley like is like mad that his father you know, that his lover, his his father who abused him was killed because of Josh Brolin rather than in this version, he's like, you know, I was in love with my sister and she killed herself because everyone thought she was a slut because of you. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, one is like, you're like, that's not, it's not good, but it's like, it's like you were at least being just, it's fucking different. All right. No, like, no, 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 no. I, I agree. Now, one of the funniest comments that I read on that, on that flashback video is um how how he didn't wake up from his nap by the two shotgun blasts that were uh, in like the floor above him but the quiet footsteps of his father approaching him is the thing that woke him up and like oh (laughs) takes off his belt buckle (laughs) it's so fucking creepy that scene is so fucking creepy um so we're he, he, uh, we're back to this movie, and he's you know making a journal of all the people he has offended. And he's like, "This is my journal of evil deeds," and it's pretty fucking full. But I think if you're by yourself for 15 years, you can probably come up with like a lot of shit, bad shit you've done when you're playing it through your mind. Oh, um, sure. Like even the smallest thing, like I stole this dude's pencil once. When I, you know what? It never was explained that if that guy's name. Or that girl's name ends up on his list. I don't think he was. Um, and I want to talk about that at the end, but I don't think it was. Um, and then he just decides like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get better. I'm going to, he starts training, gets, you know, trains himself from fighting. And then he's like, he's, uh, he's got a, an escape plan and he basically gets this brick out and he's actually able to like feel rain and he's got this hope and he's 14 years in. And I love that he's like, what if I pull all these bricks out and I'm like 50 stories up and he's like, you know what? At least I'll be dead instead of in here. So whatever. Yeah. 
Um, and then he's out. And this is where the start of the hypnotism happens. And you, I think, had a problem with it where I was like, uh, it's not, I didn't remember it. But then in watching it, I'm like, it's not that important to the story. It's kind of like a little tiny sub part. And then the there's, there is the hypnotism at the very end, which we can talk about. But this part of it is more just like a, Ode Sue thinks it matters a lot more than it actually does. So... So I think the problem that I have with the hypnotism is that when he gets out and he meets uh, Madon, Midon, Mido, Mido. I don't know why that. I thought there was an N at that last at that name. Mido. When he meets Mido and they go on on like their little adventure, um, they one of the things they do is they look up his daughter. And there's all these records that she was like adopted and blah, 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 blah. And so it eliminates like not only him as as like finding his daughter, but eliminates us seeing the twist in the end that that Mito is his daughter. And I was like, but that's weird, right? Because wouldn't she have some memory of her mom being killed or her dad leaving or like, why? Why isn't that? She's three. She was three when it happened. No, but like even her backstory, like why did they look up her his daughter and it had this entire backstory, but like none of it was her? Like why why didn't she? Anyways, my point is, is that that problem, that plot hole or that plot device is explained by hypnotism. And I don't like that. Now, I don't think it is. No, it is. They say they say that they hip they hypnotized her to forget about her upbringing and her tragedy when she was little. And that's what they're talking about there. I don't remember that. And also it doesn't, she was three, so it doesn't matter. Like she was the, so young. So, what, was, so they faked the records that they found. Yeah. This is a really rich dude. And by the way, she went to one person that knew this girl. And if this takes place in 2003, then the murder happened in like 1990. And so it's just like, you know, before the internet in, in Korea, like, remember when we watched Memories of Murder and they like couldn't even do DNA testing because they were like, we have to send this off to another country and we'll get it years later. Like, so it's yeah. just like, she had to go to a woman who knew Oday Sue, who gave her this information. Like that woman could have been paid off or that woman could have been lied to because Wu Jin Lee is rich, right? So yeah. he could have just made all of this. I mean, he did make all this up. He created all this. Now, I, I do think the, the hypnotism adds to it. But also, man, and this is like probably when I should have brought up my wife's love of Korean dramas. But like hypnotism, amnesia, long lost relatives, like all of this is standard Korean plot devices. Got it, got it, got it. Um, so, so moving on, um, he gets out. Um but not in the way that he thinks he's going to get out. Uh, he is like put in a box and the box is. So I like too. it's like, isn't it in the Brolin one? He's put into like a field. And then in this one, it looks like he's put into the uh, field, but it's like on the roof of a building. Yeah. And she, the hypnotist actually says, picture yourself lying in a field, endless grass. And then it's like, it's a four by four foot of grass, like just enough to hold them in it. So yeah. yeah, I actually really like that. And I the Brolin uh fight scene is like 
is definitely more graphic than this one with like the breaking and all that, where this is like, there's some of that, but it's just like more badass. I don't know. The choreography in this movie is so good in all the fights. Because it, it's how a guy who never fought, but thinks how a fight would go fights. And it's done with such accuracy on how someone like that would fight. It, it's amazing. And, and, and the hallway scene, you're talking about the, the hallway scene or you're talking about the gang in the street? Well, for now, the gang, the hallway scene will be its own conversation. But yeah. Okay. All right. We'll get there because I have a problem with how like the, the 2013 old boy translates that hallway th- scene. Cause yeah, it's kind of like it's longer and it's more badass, but it's like, I like the the mistakes and the trip ups that Ode Sue makes in like um a, yeah. like accomplishing his goal, right? And that shot where all those guys are beat, oh my god. Okay, we'll talk about it when we get there. That is yeah, it's the fucking shot of the movie. Um I you know, he tells this this guy who's going to commit suicide his whole story, right? And he tells him and then uh the guy's like, hey, I want to tell you my story. And Otis immediately stands up and walks away. He's like, nope. <laughs> and that's like maybe the worst thing he does in the entire movie is just not care about this dude who's going to kill himself, right? The, the Sue doesn't have time for that, okay? He has like stuff to do. He does. He's got to find his daughter. He's got to get revenge. He's got to figure some stuff out. Did you say bro-venge? K- kind of, maybe. Okay. Uh, and then he gets in the elevator to this woman and he's like freaked out and he's like, I haven't seen a woman forever. And then they get off the elevator and this woman's immediately like telling on him. And that you can, the police officer was like, what do you want me to do about this? I don't understand. He, he like, he was acting weird. Like, and Odessu just keeps going. Uh, yeah, that walk up is pretty cool. Like he has sunglasses now and he's just like such a badass. So we get to this first fight. The camera work on this first fight is so awesome. Like the way it follows, he gets pushed back and does this flip. It follows up to him and just, it's, we already talked about the choreography, but the way the camera follows all of it. And, and what I really like about the, the- Even when the camera doesn't follow it, right? Like when someone is kicked off screen, it, it lets them be kicked off screen. And then it kind of pans towards the action, which is just so good. And and the other thing it does is, and I watched it carefully this time, is like I never felt like, oh, someone was waiting for their turn to get their ass kicked, which you see yes. in a lot of fights with one on a bunch of guys. It was more yes. practical where like a dude was in the way. And specifically in the hallway, he got attacked by a lot of people at once. Um, and it never and, and, felt like people were waiting their turn. And, well, okay, hold on. Because I, I, I did want to have like a whole conversation about the hallway. But I do want to mention that it did seem like people were waiting their turn in the hallway because they were so fucking scared of him that they didn't <laughs> want it to be their turn to fucking fight him. And that's the only way like the one-on-one stuff is like believable. If like the people themselves are hesitating because they're so terrified to fight this guy. Right. Well, and and one thing though, is they were doing is they're on either side of him. So they're, you know, they are scared of him because they just saw him take the, their boss's teeth out. And they're like waiting for him to attack one side so the other side will attack. You know what I mean? So that in that respect too. I do yeah. love when they call him dick shit and he's like, dick shit. They never have swear words on TV, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then later he automatically goes to this sushi restaurant. He's outside of it. And a guy hands him a wallet and cell phone. And I love the guys immediately like, don't ask me anything. I don't, I don't know anything. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I mean, the guy looks like a hobo. The guy is probably just paid off like right then and there. Hey, go to that guy, give him this and walk off. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Um, and then he sits down with the sushi lady and I wasn't sure if this was the daughter right away. Um, but it, it, they do make it fairly obvious. Like if you know what the story is, then you're like, okay, yeah, that's the daughter. Um, and he, he's like, I want to eat something alive. And, um, that octopus scene, man, I like, that'd be so tough for me to do. Like I can't eat a live octopus. I just, I don't think I can ever do it. I don't know if you've ever seen, I don't think you've ever watched the boys um, on Amazon prime. Uh, but there's this Aquaman type character called the deep. Um, and he's he's kind of like a he's I've an seen idiot. The memes. <laughs> okay, uh, he's he's you know he's kind of a douchebag idiot kind of guy, and um, uh, the real villain Homelander kind of likes to torment him. So he he displays this whole like sushi dinner uh, in front of him, and he's like, I can't I can't eat this. These are like my friends. And he had sex with an octopus in a fish tank kind of couple scenes before this. And that same octopus shows up on the plate alive. And Homelander basically says without saying it, like, go eat this octopus live or I'm going to fucking, you know, kill you. And so it's this whole thing where he has to, like, eat his lover, basically. And it's so gross. And and after watching that. And then watching Ode Sue eat this octopus that he has no physical connection with was nothing to me. I was like, whatever. Like, maybe if he had sex with the octopus, but he did not. So he ate out the octopus and ate the octopus. Yeah, exactly. So he, he gets a call from this guy. He immediately notes the bad guy. And he's like, I'm a scholar. I'm studying you. And I couldn't remember. I couldn't kind of follow what was the. But at, I, later on, you learn that, like there was a word that she was supposed to respond to that he said, I mean, like there was a, a cue that the hypnotism yeah. worked on her to where she like, but she grabs his hand at one point. Um, and, and the other thing from this phone call, I think it was important. And there's a couple of cool quotes from this. Like uh, earlier uh, he says like laugh and the world laughs with you weep and you weep alone, which yep. to me sounded like a, um, a, uh, a watchman line from um, Rorschach. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Which she probably stole exactly. This. And then the other one was like a grain of sand or a rock both sink. Uh, I've, I've really truncated and shrunk that line down. It was a lot more beautiful in this, but um, that obviously plays a huge part in the rest of this movie. And it, it's something I disagree with applying to here. Like, I don't think you, you might send the rock to jail for 15 years, but the grain of sand probably doesn't deserve it. Yeah. <sighs> Well, we can get into that. I think I think the point of saying that is that the it affected they both had him. the same effect. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it killed his sister. Whether he intended to, or the not. the result would have been the same. Um, yeah, fine, uh, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, so he he faints um, at the sushi restaurant, and so that's when uh, Mido takes him home and like takes care of him. And this is all kind of where like their romance starts. Um, but I had this, 
I had the same feeling like when we watched Halloween three, the relationship between uh, Tom Atkins and and uh, and Ellie, right? And you're like, I know he's not cheating on his wife because his wife and him are divorced, but still feel something wrong with this relationship. Uh, same thing here, and it's like even if you know the twist, or if, like if you don't take the twist into account, it still feels like a weird relationship. It, it it's the way it's done in this is kind of it definitely isn't a thing you could do in the US in 2022 um because there's an attempted rape and it's sort of played for laughs right um and then right afterwards you know he says oh, you know it's an unforgivable sin i need to leave and she like takes the blame for it and she's like you know eventually i'll let you sleep with me just not now i'm not ready yeah, but then when when I eventually do let you sleep with me, I'm gonna resist. So you just keep fighting. Like it 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 was weird. Yeah, and, but I then mean, it could have been the hypnotism talking. You don't know. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, just like that part is something that probably people will have a problem with. Um, I do think there's some other funny parts in this. Like at one point, he wakes up and sees she's going through his books, and he like hits his head as he goes to grab them from her. And that was just like a total accident that they left in. And then he's like, what are these pills? And she's like, they're suppositories. You were passed out. How else was I supposed to give them to you? It's just like, Oh yeah. Um, And then right after this, he finds out that his daughter was adopted in Sweden and uh, Mito's like, well, what are we going to do? Or you want to call her? And he's like, well, first I have to kill this guy, you know? So he has to find out. And in the 2013 version, you know, the dumpling part of it's presented up front, right? Like, you see Josh Brolin continually eating dumplings, and he's like, yells at them, like, no more dumplings, fucking hate the dumplings, whatever. And then later on, when he shows the dumplings, it's like, okay, he's going after, you know, he's going to find them by the dumplings. In this one, he's like, I have to find this guy. And he goes to, you know, an Asian restaurant. And then there's a flashback to him eating the dumplings. So that's the connection. I, I think I like this better, even though you maybe you could say it's a little bit of laziness. Like it's almost like an afterthought the way it's done. But I think this is just more clean. Um, instead of like having these weird part like dumpling thing in the beginning. I, the movie, it's so funny because this movie's two hours, which I think is, it's, I think it's a little longer than the 2013 version. Yeah. And yet, yeah, it's 15 minutes longer than the 2013 version. And yet it feels like so much cleaner and tidier getting to stuff. And I think like they take care of the beginning so quickly that they're able to focus on the rest of it, which is the, the important part. Um, that's called, that's called good writing. <laughs> well, it's all from a, a manga. So, you know, how much I mean, do there, you, there you go. A lot. Um, yeah, man. So we get to this point and, and it's so funny because I, you know, I, I've seen, bits and pieces of this up till then. And now this is the only time I watched it all the way through. I've seen reviews of this movie. I've seen the Josh Brolin 2013 film. And I never quite got like, why is it called old boy? And it really hit me this time. uh, Why it's called old boy. But did they have the same explanation? Because I was like, I feel like old boy is like, if you say, oh, you're we're we're like old boys from the same high school. um, That's like a Korean thing. But that's not mentioned in the Brolin one, is it? No, no, and I didn't really catch it in this one either. Um, I probably should have looked it up, but it was at the end when when the confrontation and and uh, he, the guy's getting dressed in his like super cool closet. Like, well, he, oh my god, that fucking closet! Like, just amazing. 
Yeah. And he's like, we're, we're old boys from, you know, whatever high school we're from. Evergreen, evergreen boys. Yeah. The evergreen old boys. And it's like some sort of group. I don't know, but I was like, Oh, okay. That that's kind of cool because that's where it all started. Right. Um, and, and, and I don't think there's, they do that. And I think the only reason they call the 2013 old boy is just so you can connect it to the original. Yeah. I mean, fucking obviously. Right. No, but I'm um, saying if you if you name it something else, this movie would probably have just that movie probably would have just sunk. I don't know how well it did anyway. So he um, we then get to this point where he sees Mido chatting with some guy online. He's like, OK, I can't trust you. So he goes to the final restaurant by himself. This is the one I love him running after the guy on the bike and like his internal monologue is like, oh, I'm so fucking tired. And then he gets to. The restaurant he gets to where the restaurant's delivering to and he's like up against the wall and he's like can you tell them they put way too many scallions he's like well, <laughs> i'll let them know yeah um and then he figures out that i guess it's like a it's like a operation in that restaurant right and so it has like a crazy amount of security no no no, well, wait. no not the restaurant the prison but how does he know the prison is the prison when he gets to so the he, restaurant? Because the dumplings match. He's like, so they ordered all the way from this. I mean, it, it was more obvious in the 2013 version because like he's he eats the dumpling. He's like, this is the place. And then he looks up and some dude is ordering like 50 meals. He's like, OK, what else could that fucking be? Oh, um, OK, I get it. So he tails the guy to the restaurant or from the restaurant to the prison, goes up in the elevator. They get, the guy's like, just leave it. And I love the way they do this several times where they basically freeze the characters. Like it's a picture and they focus on different parts of it. They just have the guy stay there. So they have the, the guy almost, in his chair. Almost like a comic book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Scott Pilgrim did that too, but he's just holding the hammer. The guy's looking at him and then they draw the dotted lines from the hammer to his head and he just smiles and then it cuts. It doesn't even need to show you the violence because you know what happened. It's so great. And then he goes into the, uh, the Josh Brolin one shows you the violence, doesn't it? Because it is all devoid of subtlety in that film. But did you not want to see a hammer go through Rami Malek's head? I mean, I always want to see a hammer go through Rami Malek's head. And then we get to the Samuel L. Jackson character who, what, his name's, is his name Park in this? I can't remember. I didn't follow that part. Um, Dude, I don't know. And he starts pulling out his teeth with a fucking hammer, which like... I think is much more effective than when Samuel Jackson, he's like taking these pieces out of his neck so that he then can pull his head off. And I was like, I don't even know what those things are. You're pulling out. Like, I don't know what this is. Like the physiology is like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's because you haven't watched it forever. I told you to rewatch it because there would be, I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch it. Um, anyways, so I'm just going to watch the good one. Um, so, yeah, he, he fucking pulls his teeth out with the hammer. There's something a lot to be said, too, right? I'm going to go back to the fact that Odesu is a blue-collar worker and his weapon of choice is a hammer, which is a very, like, blue-collar tool, right? So he's, like, trying to defeat this mega-billionaire with, like, like, uh, like deconstruct his entire operation with a hammer. I, I think that's kind of cool. Does he have a sickle too? Is this like a communist uh, Could be. allegory? 
Yeah, so he pulls his teeth out, and it is like it doesn't show. What what's worse, right? Showing the teeth being pulled out, or then like showing the teeth, the bloody teeth falling onto the keyboard. I think this does a very good job of like your imagination is worse than what would happen. So they show the hammer being put on the teeth, and then it shows blood start spurting out, and the guy screaming. So you know, oh, it's it's starting, and then it just shows all the teeth falling, like him throwing the teeth out one by one. Um, and then he pulls out the thing. He's like, are you ready to talk? And he's like, I don't know, but I recorded it. And, you know, we get these recordings. Um, and then all the guys show up. I love the cut from him listening, grabbing the recording to him being outside, holding the guy with all the other guys, like ready to attack in his line yeah. of um, who's bl- who has type AB blood. Just cause it's like, those are the universal donors that could like help this guy. He's like, who, you know, okay, you guys, I'm not going to kill you. Take him. And then like, then we're going to fight. And then leading to like one of the most iconic fights, like in film period. It's so good. Okay. So now here we are and we can actually talk about it. The, the way he like kind of uh, clumsily goes through each guy and the, in the way like they become progressively more and more frightened of him is is so good uh and and like they start like not even just like hitting him with like the pipes and the bats and stuff but like in desperation they like throw the pipes at him at like a distance like like more of a stay away from me tactic well and because they're pipes too it hurts so you see him like going like ah um and the other thing i noticed too is like at a certain point he's like in between like half of the guys, half of them are behind him and half are in front. And he keeps having to go back and forth. And that like in turn gets him stabbed in the back. So he like works his way, ducking some guys to get them all on one side. And now he just fucking destroys them. Like no one can get him from behind and he kills all of them. Doesn't actually kill, but like it's, it's amazing. It's it's amazing how well they're able to walk later on, considering what he did to them. And then you get this iconic shot of him standing there with a smile, opening the elevator. You see the destruction behind him. His smile gets bigger, and then you see all these guys in the elevator. And I love that the movie doesn't need to show you more. He just you see the elevator ding. It opens up, and all these dudes are passed out and fall out of the elevator. Yeah, it's it's so good, especially like I mean, I, I I'll be honest, I would have loved to see that elevator fight, see how that actually went down. But no, just the ding of the elevator, the doors opening and all the bodies falling out is just a beautiful thing. It's like this guy is now unstoppable. Um, just watch the I Winter love- Soldier elevator fight, you know. That's <laughs> good. Good. Elevator fights are great. Um, the. Him walking down the street. Oh, this is great, right? Him walking down the street and then covered in blood and then fainting uh, and then getting help by that guy, that random guy uh, in the taxi. Um, that is, was that just a random dude or was that the guy? It's the bad guy. It's the bad the guy, movie, right? Yeah, the movie does a good job of like not trying to hide it from you. It like lets you know that that's the dude. Yeah, that's what I thought. He was in such a different getup than when we see him later in like a real nice suit. So it was kind of hard to recognize him. Well, and he uses yeah. his name. He says Ode Sue. And and that's like Ode Sue and realizes, oh, shit. OK, this was a this might have been the guy. 
No, but it could have been the guy. It could have been a guy he, he paid off. You as the audience at that point don't even know, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, you don't know. I, I guess it's hard for me to tell because I knew um, just from having seen it before that I knew this was the guy. So it is hard to tell. But I don't – you don't actually know for sure. But I think you can assume. Well, yeah, but I mean, the guy does have henchmen, especially that blonde guy that's like really like his number one right hand man. Um, so this guy has a lot of people on his payroll, but it's it was so good, like the reveal where he s- uses his name and then sends him off in the taxi. Um, yeah. And then he knew he was close, right? Like he can't give up now. Well, and then the the bad guy even says, and I think in a scene, he's like, "All right, he'll he'll go to the internet cafe tomorrow." And so he goes to the internet cafe where he finds his friend who we saw in the beginning. And there's this one line, and he's like, "Do you think it involves those 260 women or their husbands?" And I was like, "Is that like all the? Did he fuck all those women? Like, what does that mean? Like, I, it's kind of very subtle. Like that maybe he was a womanizer." Um. I don't know. And then he gets this message from Evergreen. And this was the person that was talking to Mido earlier, basically like, Oh, all the charges have been dropped. Congratulations. Your, your murder case has been dismissed. And, um, which is slightly different than what the 2013 does that like has it's hanging over his head the entire time. Um, and so he goes home and ties up Mido. And then he immediately finds out Evergreen is across the street. And him running down all the stairs and running across and running back up is so funny. Yeah. And and that's another way that they kind of like, they do like, um, it's not slapstick, but they use the physicality uh, as comedy. It's very well, might I add, but yeah. Um, So yeah, he he goes, PSH could have done those parts of the movie. Yes, that's true. Oh man, he would have been a great because he's very unsuspecting. I don't know yeah, if he'd gotten into the shape though. I don't know if we've seen him get in that type. If we had seen him get in that type of shape, but yeah, like yeah, he would have. He could play a lot of the roles that uh, it's Min Sik Choi. Um, he could play a lot of the roles that he played. Like he's got like he's got that ability. I think. Um, so he talks to Evergreen, he finds out he's got five days to find out who I am, and he's, if you do, I'll kill myself instead of Mido. Um, and Odesu's just basically about to fucking, uh, torture him. And, he, you know, the guy tells his right-hand man, who we find out is Mr. Han, he's like, hey, just, you know, stay back, whatever. Um, and so he is gonna kill him, except he's like, well, you can't kill me, because I have a pacemaker, and I have this button, and this is like such a great reveal at the end of the movie, this pacemaker button that he has. Yeah. Um, he's like, I have this button that if you start to torture me, I'm just going to kill myself. And you can't Imagine being so it. rich that during your surgery that you're getting a pacemaker installed, you can pay the surgeon to put a kill switch in your body. They live a different life than us, man. Yeah. Why would you need that? I don't know, but <laughs> I just like to have the option. <laughs> Yeah, so he's like, and and here's the here's one of the reoccurring themes of the film that kind of is introduced right here, but it it's really like from the beginning is that the only like prison that he was ever in is the prison that kept him away from the truth. So even though he physically got out, the thing that keeps him going is not 
really revenge, but it's finding out the truth. It's not, it's sorry. It's not finding out who put him in there. It's finding out the why. And I thought that was the interesting part. And that was what kept me really invested because I knew about the whole, I, well, the, the daughter twist, but I did forget about why was he put in there in the first place. So, um, so yeah, that that's I feel like that's the biggest uh reveal of the film. Not the not what happens to Odesu later on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I mean I think all of it adds up to it. Um and I, I do love the line of he's like, um Wu Jin Lee is like, you know, revenge kept me from being bored, so you should try it. You know what I mean? He's like But then it occurs again when he's like, What happens when you are when you have your revenge, you have nothing to live for, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which we'll we'll talk about. Um, and as he's walking out, he's like, "Hey, uh, isn't Mito like tied up over there? Haven't you left her for too long?" And he goes over there, and all those guys are there. And I didn't remember this scene being in this movie because when it happened in the Spike Lee version, I was like, "Ah, it's kind of stupid." But then uh, he calls. Uh, he gets a call right before he's about to fuck up uh, Odesu. I do love when he like fake pulls a tooth and he's like hey what hurts is the anticipation so i'm gonna actually do it for real this time but it, you know it won't be that big a deal and uh then he gets the call and he's like oh i don't know what would make me stop and he shows him the money and he's like okay we can go and then like kicks him and he's like okay now i can go and uh odesu just like uh i need i'm gonna take the hand of whoever touched her breast like oh one of you um which you know plays a part later there are so many reveals at the end of this movie. So like so many different tiny to big reveals that not is just what at the end of the movie, movie but so like good. throughout the movie too. Right. Like yeah, but when they even, find even out the about end, right, the bug. The, the Yes. Well, correct. There is the bug, but right. Like at the end, there's the pacemaker. There's the fact that Mr. Park gave up his hand. There's the daughter thing. There's the incest thing. Like with the actual reveal, like, it all of it. There's like four or five different things, which like each time you see, it, like oh my god, like it. There's the big ones, but then there's the other stuff. Even if you know that, that's just like that's a perfect way to do this movie. Um, so he they decide to run, and Mido like is in the car with him, and she's like, "Did he really say he's gonna kill me because you love me?" And then she starts singing the song. Um, and at this point, you know, I didn't remember the hypnotism part of it, but I'm like, this is almost like a, it's not a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I think it's kind of similar where it's like, you know, uh, Wu Jin Lee is like, oh, you, or Lee Wu Jin is like, you, you love her, so I'm going to kill her. And it's like, does, has, have we even really heard him say he loves her yet? Or is he like, he's planting this in Odesu's head of like, you love her, so I'm going to kill her. And he's like, do I love her? I guess I do love her. And then she starts singing the yeah. song. Yeah. And at the same time, you see the bad guy and he's like, he's like, do, uh, do you think she already, do you think she already is in love with him? Like it's, you know, it's kind of important to him, which the way it's done in the other version to shit on it just a little bit more is like when the bad guy is watching, he's like at the sex scene, he's like, he's, his acting is so fucking weird. It's just so that character is so weirdly portrayed in the movie. Um, but yeah, she starts singing the song for sex, and then we get the sex scene. And, and one really minor thing: Did you notice that a dude in the bad guy's lair, like in the bad guy's penthouse, is being murdered in the background of that scene? What you hear, like 
you hear like grunts and screams off camera. And then when he's walked all the way up to the end of his penthouse, there's like two of his henchmen are like uh, folding up like uh, plastic wrap, like a huge plastic wrap around a body. During the sex scene? Yeah, like during, like, uh, like around the time of the sex scene, while he's like listening in on it, like all around that time of it. No, no, I didn't, I didn't realize that. You know, uh, I'm actually surprised how long Odesu lasted in that sex scene for not having sex with someone in like 15 years. You think he'd be more like a two pump Tim, right? But <laughs> well, he he probably did jerk off quite a bit. But yeah, yeah, he uh. <laughs> He did last quite a bit. And what's funny too, after this is like, it's a very, if you don't know what's happened, or even if you do, it's a very sweet scene afterwards where he's like drying her hair and you can tell like they love each other. And it's like, makes the ending that more like gut wrenching. Yeah. When he's drying her hair, it's almost like a father daughter thing. Well, it is. Um, I do love like someone gassing them and then like watching them sleep. And then when they wake up, they, they both stare at the present that's been left uh, on the table with them. And they're like, and they both stand around it. Like, like understanding the fact that like someone had to come in here and like put this down and like in the process, like what else did they do while they were in here? Yeah, I know it's, it is creepy. Um, and we are now getting kind of pretty far into this. He uh, he goes to the school. He finds Lee uh, Wu Jin in the yearbooks, and then Lee Su- So Ah um, finds out that. And then he calls his friend, right? And this is a similar mm-hmm. scene to what happens in the other one. But I think this one's, you know, in that one in in the twenty thirteen old boy, he's like listening, and he hears him uh, say that she was a slut. And he goes out of his way to hunt down his friend and kill him. In this one, he's like right there because he got rid of the tracker. And he keeps saying how much of a slut and horse she was and he can't take it. So he kills him. And he actually then gets on the phone with Odesu and is like, because you got rid of your tracker, I killed your friend. But you have to know my sister was not a slut. And that's like really important to him. So that's like a tipping point to him being like, okay, this is like trauma for that guy right like why 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 is that why is that a a big deal um also so yeah so so he's like okay so it must originate all at the school like everything must have happened at the school and now you know say what you want for like the 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 revelations but the flashback to the school is probably one of my favorite uh scenes in this whole movie um even more than the fight scene in the hallway, because like the the way this is shot and like the slow build of the reveal in this flashback at the school is so the way it's shot alone, bouncing back and forth from old day Sue to young old day Sue is brilliant. Yeah. And the way he's yeah, the way you'll see like the camera, it almost feels like one continuous shot when it's obviously not because it keeps cutting. But like you'll see the young one run and then we get to another point and it's the old one and the young, and they're just following this person. And then when they finally see it, um, what's happening, you know, the, and he only sees the one side of it to me is the way I see it is he sees the, um, the, the woman, uh, what is it? Lee, Lee Sua or Sua Lee, you know, sees her, um, basically having about to have sex with some guy, um, and he, he kind of then goes to tell his friend and, um, that's sort of, you know, it. I do want to mention, cause I think we're getting to that point now where he confronts 
the the antagonist in his lair. And I use that word very strongly because I cannot think of any other word to use besides that's a villain lair. Um, but I, I really quickly want to talk about the use of reflections in this movie. Um, the way that she is reflecting using the hand mirror. And that is the thing that gives him away is, is she sees him peeking in through the reflection of the hand mirror. That's kind of a weird thing, right? To have a hand mirror while some dude is like eating you out. Um, it's like, it's almost like an empowering thing where she's like watching herself become a woman. It's, it's interesting. Um, and then like he, he tries to commit suicide while he was in prison with a mirror the he didn't um the remember the picture in his prison of the crazy guy with the hair with the weird like crazy ass smile right it's almost like a reflection to him what he eventually becomes right um and then we get him confronting the guy in his house and that place is full of reflections yeah yeah and it's it's there's kind of a like how do you see yourself versus how does other people see you type thing going on there um so yeah i agree but one thing we didn't mention is that before he has the flashback he takes he goes back to park the prison the prison guy and he's got a new prison and he's missing his hand he's like can i leave her here with you and he's like don't worry she's safe you know the enemy of my enemy is my friend basically like because this guy cut off my hand you know i'm he's now my enemy and you're his enemy. So, you know, you're my friend. Um, which is like that reveal later on when he's like, of course I bought him a new prison. Of course he'd give me his hand for that. It's just so, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love when he gets to the building and he's like Proverbs six, four. So I just got to keep trying that. He keeps trying numbers. And then the bad guy and Mr. Han walk in and they're like zero six, zero four. And he's just like, Oh, I would have never gotten that. When the when he gets it wrong so many times and the alarm goes off and then that elevator full of people are like staring yeah. at him and he's like embarrassed about it, that's funny. Well, and, the, and one thing too is we get this little flash as they're going up the elevator. Mido has said to him when he's leaving, please make him kneel before you and beg forgiveness. And that's like the exact opposite of what happens, which is really interesting because as we talked about a little bit before, it's like, Ode Sue doesn't have a whole lot to apologize for. Like what he did, the consequences of it are bad, but it's like he didn't cause that, right? He just mentioned something that he saw and the rumor mill went. And so this guy's actually, like, you killed my sister. Yeah, it's actually amazing how he was able to track it back to Ode Sue. Like if he says it, he's like off to Korea, some somewhere in Korea the next day, right? He's like, he's like off on vacation. So he's like, Hey, I'm just going to say this to you. And now I'm piecing out. So the guy had time to like tell 10 people, those 10 people probably told 10 people, et cetera, et cetera, to trace it all the way back to originally. Oh, it's because they saw him. Never mind. I just figured it out. Well, one thing I'll say, uh, the sister saw him, but we don't know if she told, but, um, when uh Ode Sue is talking to this lady about like, oh, who you know, who'd you hear that rumor from her? And she's like, calls her friend. She's like, she said you should she heard it from Juwan No, and you should know how he knew. Meaning that everyone knew that Ode Sue told Juwan who told everyone else. 
Wow, Junwon is a little snitch. Yeah, he fucking deserved to die, honestly. Of the people who deserve something, that guy, he should have gone to prison for 15 years. But you know, Yeah, well, whatever. that would have been a, a much different story. Um, so he gets up there and he's like, uh, he's like, you slept with your sister. And what's weird is like, uh, Lee Woo Jin is like, get him about the, you know, telling his henchmen to kill Ode Su. Ode Su kills them very easily. With and the then he goes, up to, he goes up to the white haired guy, Mr. Han, and he, and he gives him this weird smile and is like, you could just talk. Um, and then, you know, he decides, okay, yeah, I will talk, right? Which is, he later on decides not to. And then we see what Mr. Mr. Han's basically just been packing this mad skill this entire time that we did not know about. Um, and fight, it's presented in a really funny way. Yeah, yeah not his dick, via his ability to fight. Yeah. Um, so, and this is where we get this line too, where Ode Su's like, you know, asks about the hypnotism and he's, uh, Lee Woo Jin is like, you didn't forget because of the hypnotism. You forgot just because it wasn't important to you. It didn't matter. My sister's yeah. life didn't matter. And your tongue got my sister pregnant. Um, which didn't actually really, it was just like a fake pregnancy. He's like, but you're, you're talking made her think she was pregnant, which made her kill herself. And then he's like, well, is that, he's like, no, did you kill her? Because you know, the picture, she couldn't take that of herself. Uh, and then we sort of get his flashback where he's like holding her and the sister's like, no, I want to die. Just basically let me, you know, what's so interesting is him holding her over the dam is very reminiscent of about the, about Ode Sue in the beginning, uh, holding the guy over the building. Yeah. And Ode Su in the beginning saved that dude. And then the guy just wanted to jump again. So, you know, so Ode Su, not a bad guy. You can't save someone who doesn't want to be saved. And then we get to the big reveal where he starts talking about post hypnotic suggestion to make people fall in love. Still wasn't easy. And he gets this really cool line where he's like, the question isn't why did I imprison you? The question is, why did I release you? Yeah. And um, he's like, you already know the answer. You just have to like come you know, to terms with it. And he's like, no, and he, I don't. And he has this laser pointer and keeps pointing it across the room and then points it at the purple box. And then just, if you didn't see this coming, this reveal has to affect you almost as much as Ode Sue. Just like, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think almost as much, but yeah, it, if, if you don't, I almost regret knowing that it's coming because Watching it in its purity where you're like, oh, shit. For a new audience member, my God. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, we are getting some views of uh, Mido, and she like has the wings in her hand at the same time. That's kind of the giveaway. Like We see the scrapbook, but then at the same time, she has the wings. And then there's this one point where she starts flapping the wings the same way he did in the first scene when he's drunk. Yeah. Um, and uh, he then goes to kill him, and Mr. Han just keeps throwing him fucking everywhere. Yeah. And there's this really cool part where Mr. Han goes to throw him one more time, and you see this quick stab motion, but you don't even see it. I missed it. B- before you mention that, uh, I want to talk about how he throws him against the window of the of the skyscraper and how the window starts cracking because i thought that was really cool too what do you want to say about that the window starts cracking and i thought it was really cool (laughs) it's like a reflection of yourself but it starts breaking (laughs) 
like frack you're like fractals of yourself you know so this is really quick stabbing motion right <laughs> yeah and then you just see the blood coming like slowly out of his ear and mr han fucking loses it and this is where like the music cuts out and then you hear a muffled like um lee Wu jin is like mr han mr han and then he just slowly walks up and shoots his number two guy in the head and i think at this point it's because he's like I don't care about anything. I just need my revenge to end and then like whatever. Um, And it's funny is he was trying to kill him. And then as soon as Mr. Han's dead, he just goes up to him and is like, he realizes like, oh shit, like I need you. I, I, I need your forgiveness. And this could possibly be because at the same time, he's like, oh, by the way, did you think Mr. Park hates me? Why, why would he hate me? I bought his new prison. And so we get a view of Mido on the, she calls him or, and he, she's like, I have this package in front of me that Mr. Park wants me to open. He's like, don't open it. Dude, don't fucking open it. Yep. Yep. And, and uh, his, yeah, I think this is heartbreaking. Like more so than the realization is making sure that Mido doesn't know either. Right. Like he's kind of done, right. He's screwed. He 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 knows everything that um what's his name? Lee Wu Jin. Yeah. Uh Lee Wu Jin wants him to know. So he's done for. His only saving grace is that Mido doesn't find out. Yeah, and he's like, you know, I'm I've committed an unforgivable sin. I'll I'll be your dog. He licks his shoes, and the way Lee Ju Wu Jin has to like cover his fucking laugh as he's licking his shoes. It's just like, this is so powerful. And then the fucking tongue cutting. Not as gory as I thought it would be actually. Um, well, this but is it's, once again, it's, uh, uh, leaving it your, imagination. your imagination. Yeah. Uh, but the close up on his eyes and the scream as he's doing it. And then he just throws up blood. Oh my God. Yeah. And then, uh, after doing that, he tells Mr. Park, you know, leave the block closed. Um, and and the, the shot of him, like, now what will I live for? And he has the gun pointed at both their heads. Yeah. So cool. And he starts walking away. And you see Odesu has the pacemaker. Yeah. And one final fuck you to him. He presses the button on the pacemaker and then just has to hear the sex he had with his daughter. So fucked up. As it like echoes through the, you know, the big um, room. Uh, Cause it's, cause it's punishment too, because it's like, Oh, you asked for forgiveness, but now you're trying to kill me because of what you did. You didn't learn your lesson. Yeah. I didn't even think of it that way, but yeah, you're right. Um, and then he, as he's walking out to the line of like, my sister and I loved each other despite everything. You know, can you too? Um, and then we get to the, the difference. Where- the, the problem I have with that is like, they were set out to, to have an incestual relationship, right? Odesu and Mido did not set out to have an incestual relationship. Yeah, but now they do, right? So it's like, how do you deal with it? Like, cause you're gonna, he's basically, yeah, he's fucked him. Cause he's like, you're, what are you going to just break up with her? Or are you going to just never see her again? It's your daughter. So if you tell her you really, you fucked her life, 
if you don't leave her tell in the her, cold, you're you fucked her life. I mean, he, he could he could fake his death quite easily at this point too, right? He the but then he never gets to see his daughter slash lover again, right? I don't. I I wouldn't. Well, he chooses door number three yeah. and basically hypnotizes himself. And this is the question I have. So the hypnotist is like, there's no reason I should help you. But this last line of your letter, I'm no better than a beast. I don't deserve, but don't I deserve to live? Which he took from the guy in the beginning of the movie who, who killed himself. And I'm like, that's kind of harsh. Like, because as a 15 year old, he spread a rumor that was true. Like he doesn't deserve to live. I think this is an important lesson to everyone watching is uh, don't fucking spread rumors. It wasn't even a rumor. He just told the fact. <laughs> uh, mind your own fucking business. That's the and, lesson. And even in the flashback, he told the Juwan no, like, hey, don't tell anyone else about this. Yeah, they keep being like, "Oh, cut out your own tongue. You have a you have a big mouth, dude." He told one person. Juong told the fucking entire school. Like, like who, you're absolutely right. Who's the one with the big bigger mouth? Juong got to be a successful businessman for those fifteen years. Although he did die because he called the girl a slut, so he did get what was coming to him. I like the way the hypnotist describes. Like, there will be two of you, and the, the visual representation of this, the monster. Yeah, and one will walk away, and once you walk, every step will be a year, and once you've walked far enough away. And then he kind of, like, comes to, and Mido's there, and she's like, what's happening here? And then you see he's he has walked, like, 30 steps away from the chairs, and then yep. they hug, and he's got this crazy smile. Um, apparently, that scene was all filmed in New Zealand, which they flew to New Zealand just for that ending in the snow. Um, That's badass. That's badass. Um, this ending leads a couple leads to a couple of questions because he doesn't he doesn't know anything anymore. He's been hypnotized to not know. Does he keep fucking her? <laughs> and does he contact his fake daughter in Sweden? And then does this reveal like anything <laughs> to him? <sighs> yeah, man. The the other part is is that you know he has this crazed smile and then right before it cuts to black he he's like crying he's like it turns into a frown and it's like the monster that has all the memories was the one that was supposed to walk thirty feet and die but he is the one who walked thirty feet and woke up so it's like does he have those memories still or would they come back like. I don't know. I, I think it poses a lot. I It's one of those open-ended ones that that is like up to your own interpretation. Uh, I, I feel like this movie is, is almost like trying to leave you as the audience in a fucked um, mentality. Like it doesn't give you a good ending. It's not a good ending. It's not a happy ending. It's just like, hey, are you traumatized yet? No? Well, here's this one ambiguous ending that will traumatize you yeah and did you know this was part of a trilogy i heard about this yeah so i don't think the stories are related i think they're three separate stories but they're it's called the revenge trilogy and there's sympathy for mr revenge and then lady vengeance which 
I've never watched those two, and I don't know why. I actually own them, so I wouldn't have to search. Oh, jeez. And I, yeah, I've never watched them. And the other uh, cool thing that I read about this, and this is back to the hallway scene. I should have brought it up then. That was all shot in one take. The 2D view from the side of the hallway fight scene. Oh, one take? Yeah, I mean, it took several times to get the one take that they used, but oh, it was all shot, all shot in one continuous take. You know, for people who don't know what we're doing this month is we're doing a bunch of Korean movies and um, we already have them all kind of laid out to do. But now I'm thinking, like, should we have done the trilogy? Well, it's a little late for that. (laughs) I mean, not really, but I mean, I I, we can just save, you know, we can save doing the, the other two films later on. That's not an issue. And we've done Korean films before, like with the host. Um. And, 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 you know, this is before we kind of established theme months, but um, I, I'm excited for the rest of this month because I, I've seen a good amount of Korean films, but I have not seen a lot of Korean films. And we have some pretty good, uh, pretty good bangers uh, coming later. We do. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm happy with the ones I chose. Uh, I have seen all these and I'm really excited for you to watch them i think this is probably the most fucked up of the ones i've chosen there are other probably maybe as fucked up korean movies we could have gone with but this i think this one's just so iconic um it's so well regarded and it's just something you have to watch you know even if it doesn't have um some of the same attributes as the 2013 version you watch you know this is such an amazing movie. I'm glad you finally watched it. Yeah, no, me too. And you know what? It just occurred to me is that the very first time I ever heard about this movie, it was right off the bat spoiled for me about the twist. And I'm trying to remember who the motherfucker told me about the movie and spoiled it for me. You gotta kill that guy. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched Old Boy 2003.